Hello, this is How to PhD, episode number 33. In the next two episodes, we'll be taking you through our PhDs and covering all the ups and downs, and especially everything we learned from the process. Hello, and welcome back to the show. My name is Julia, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron. Hello. So we had this idea of sharing more about our PhD journeys because um, often I think you only see the final layer of success. You see um, people complete their PhDs and I post that on Twitter, Instagram, and you don't really see all the ups and downs that people experience and that come with it. Um, and especially in today's episode, when we're sharing um, a bit more about Aaron's journey, um, we want to share with you what you can really, what the key learnings are that you can take um, from about those steps. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I think, yeah, this week on this episode, we're going to be talking us taking you through the four years of my doctorate uh, with a focus on all the insecurities and difficulties I had uh, before eventually getting to the end and, and actually feeling quite sad about submitting it. Uh, and then next week, we'll do Julia's story um, in, a, in a similar fashion. Yeah, but for today, let's start um, with your year one. So Aaron, how did year one go for you in the yes. PhD? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I think the kind of characterizing thing about year one was just uh, sort of just how little of a plan there was, you know, at the beginning. Um, and so, you know, I had basically a bit of background about the PhD. I had an industrial sponsor as well as an academic um, so, and, and the industrial sponsor, you know, had a vague idea of what they wanted to research. Um, and it was like something around car safety. It wasn't super defined, but I have to be honest, you know, I felt completely lost. Um, it was pretty much six months of doing a literature search where I, I wasn't 100% sure what specific topic I was supposed mm -hmm. to be searching and, and trying to work out a direction. And, and, you know, I heard someone describe the beginning of a PhD as a kind of black hole and this was very much a black hole there was absolutely no idea I had um, and of course I had challenges while my academic supervisors were fantastic to work with um, the sponsor the industrial sponsor was very difficult to communicate with um, very harsh I think in terms of yeah the the, the feedback I got on work uh, was very harsh and, and not particularly constructive in many cases and I remember just very honestly you know sitting in some meetings with my industry sponsor um, and just sweating Aww. from the stress. And I remember mm. like one meeting when my first year was awful because I just, it was like, it was like I'd played <laughs> in a professional football game or something. Like I was, I was so stressed because um, it, it was mm. just really difficult. I found to, to work with that person. And, um, uh, and then of course that, that particular project was canceled. Um, and so by chance, this new industrial sponsor came in or a supervisor from that same company um, and asked me to basically do a study for them. And that's basically how my kind of first study kicked off. Mm. But bear in mind, this was nine months into the process and uh, I was using new equipment for the first time that no one had used. There were so many problems and bugs with the machine. Um, and it was, it was so stressing that, you know, as I said, I was approaching nine months I was doing a study, but still really had no direction at all. I had no idea how this study fit into the grand scheme of things. Um, and with all of that going on, uh, I was very, very close to quitting. It, uh, I would, it was really, really close. I was probably like one email away from just sending off the, the, the letter to my, um, to my supervisors. Mm -hmm. 
really stemming from imposter syndrome right? so what what happened or what changed it yeah i mean it, to be honest in in that in that moment um you know i i spoke to my parents and but mm. crucially i spoke to my supervisors and, and honestly said how i feel and we'll we'll cover in this second section you know kind of you know the key takeaways from this um but they actually told me you know we, we were really pleased with how things were going um and i i honestly couldn't believe the words I was hearing because it sounded impossible you know in my eyes I was so behind um but just them saying that I didn't really internalize it but just them saying it was enough to kind of keep me going um but I still felt everyone else in my cohort of students so we were a group of five students who all started at the same time were way further ahead but that mm. was enough to keep me going uh, till to basically not quit um and the year ended with the study and the write-up of it so yeah although um, I, i remember that time when you um told us that you were unhappy with your phd and about to quit and um i think to me and our friends that um came to quite a big surprise because i think we came once along to a presentation you were giving and i thought like wow he's he really knows what he's talking about and we're quite impressed and um i remember once we were also presenting at a um like group meeting or research meeting with other PhD students everybody was so impressed that you were doing a study in your first year um because not mm, everybody yeah. I think does that but um so for you it felt like very differently than the outside perspective really yeah and um, you know perhaps there's a lesson in that for the listeners and mm. and as I said we're going to get on to the key takeaways from this first year but uh perhaps the lesson there is really you know you all thought you know I had it really together and, mm. and presenting well and doing a study blah blah, blah. but actually you know the the reality of what that person might be feeling inside could be very different. So again, you know, when you, and we'll talk a lot about comparing yourselves to others in, in, the, in the upcoming sections of this episode. Uh, but if you're looking at someone and thinking, wow, like they just have it all together, like look at them mm. doing this and that, um, you you really don't know what's going on behind. Mm. And and I was, yeah, really, um, it, you know, I, I'd say um, in terms of just in a kind of academic sense, I was really struggling to sort of see why I was there doing the PhD and that was that was quite quite difficult so I mean I think you know reflecting on this first year here's some key takeaways for, for the listeners um, you know I think the first thing is you know everyone moves at different paces and that's kind of a general tip for life you know don't panic if things are not going the way that you, that you think they should be going um, and particularly in terms of feedback um, you know I for me it was tough to hear in the early days because especially harsh feedback because I, I felt it was a reflection on sort of me as a student that I wasn't really at the level that they wanted. And, you know, they might be talking behind my back thinking, oh, wow, look at this, look at this guy, like his work's no good. Um, and I really sort of really believe that. Um, so, you know, I think having that, that kind of perspective on feedback being, you know, needing to be as a, as a tool to sort of improve what you do um, is really important. And of course, to keep your supervisors updated about how you're feeling, you know, and again, throughout that first year, I kept them updated with my progress and my work. Uh, but it was only really at that month nine when things were, you know, really tough. And I, I, I really didn't think I was going to continue uh, that I said how I felt and that was a that was a big moment um, in terms of them understanding and at, you know full credit to them you know in the subsequent meetings they always checked in on how I was feeling about the work and things and I, I think you know um, that was a really important moment and 
I think meeting them regularly as well uh, is, is, is another, you know, crucial thing, you know, as, as, as often as you can to keep them updated. Uh, it's, it's really important. But, you know, I, I don't think I ever internalized the words that they said. It just, it was enough to keep me going, but I never truly believed when they said that I was doing mm. fine. Did you have to initiate meetings or did they, did you have something regularly scheduled on with them? Uh, I think I was really the one, I think there was, there was one sort of regularly scheduled, but mm -hmm. I think if I wanted more, I could then take the initiative. And, and in that case, I did take the initiative and, and set up the meeting. Um, and I think it, generally I left it way too late in that first year to tell them this. Um, and a final point, you know, I think difficulty is sort of really inherent in, the, in that PhD process, especially if you're working with equipment uh, and things like that, and, and you're doing something new. So I guess, you know, uh, what I didn't do was really embrace the fact that I was doing something new and difficult. Mm. Um, and so embrace that challenge, but also, you know, be prepared to seek help when you need mm. it. And again, that's another thing that we're going to talk about uh, in the next uh, in the next couple of years. Great. Okay, so this was year one. Um, so I think let's see how the story continues. So year two, and uh, we just heard you were not too happy in your first year, but at the end, um, you tried to communicate more to your supervisors, like how you were feeling and that you felt a little bit stuck or behind. Um, how did year two go for you then? Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, year two started and it wasn't really super clear where the project was going, um, but I got involved in some semi-related things to the study. So I did a bit of... Uh, did sort of public engagement events that my supervisor happened to be sort of organizing at the time. Um, and she was telling me about these events and I had an idea to think, oh, actually, maybe I can use these events that she's running for a bit of data collection for my PhD. Uh, so I did two of these events and, and these were just super kind of, you know, non-formal study kind of things. They were just sort of workshops with people um, and it felt good to be doing something different. You know, it was it was about event organization and, and I had to do a bit of kind of um, location planning and where we're going to hold the event and how many tables are we going to have <laughs> and who's going to do the catering and um And, and doing some research methods that were super creative. It was a chance to do some really like qualitative stuff. We did all sorts of fun methods um, of, of data collection at these events. Um, and it didn't really feel like a study as such. And I guess the, the important thing here is that actually, you know, all this, this event that I did kind of because I didn't really have an idea what to do and I just sort of tagged along um, actually ended up becoming a chapter in, in my thesis. Um, but again, you know, I, I felt, you know, so even though I was doing that, I felt so nervous that everyone else was, you know, out there running formal user trials. And, and, and to be honest, it was another low point in the PhD where I thought again, you know, oh, well, I'm doing this qualitative public engagement mm. event. I'm, I'm not, is this real data? Is mm. this, Sometimes is this a serious? Sometimes it's scary if it's, uh, if you know, it's a standardized method, right? You know how to run it and publish it. But if it's something new, you don't know, will it? find its place <laughs> exactly in yeah. the literature and, 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 and at that point you know I did this I really enjoyed doing it but then again when I thought to a PhD I thought where is this fitting in and um, you know it, and it really felt like some days I was super positive and leaving the office I'll be like yeah okay I, it feels great like I think I know where I'm what I'm doing with it and then other days I'll just leave the office and I'd sometimes mm -hmm. leave around like two or three o'clock uh, just to chill at home and because I just felt so directionless and, mm -hmm. and just pointless sitting in the office without a, without a clue what I was doing 
Um, but, you know, the engagement event was a good distraction. And of course, you know, just you know, for doing the full story, you know, at this time, I also sent off a journal submission for the first study. Uh, but we'll hear more about that in the later years mm-hmm. when we when we hear what came of that. So some key takeaways from this year, from from reflecting on this. And I think, you know, the main thing is for me, you know, after that first study, things were starting to feel a bit stagnant because, again, I was very much directionless. Um, so if you're in that feeling, if you get that impression, then go do something else, right? Join a society, go to researcher meets, ask your supervisors what events they have coming up. You know, really inspiration can can strike at any time. And I, it certainly did for me because there was no way I would have thought that this random event that I was doing would actually end up becoming a chapter. And actually this event, the paper that I wrote from that um, is ironically my most cited paper um, and got me two conferences to, to Florida and Ireland. So it, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It, it ended, ended up. up yeah. And yeah, things can always go differently than you think they would or unexpected things and opportunities will come out of that. Great. That's right. And yeah. I think it's just about being prepared and, and kind of, you know, putting yourself out there for those opportunities. And, mm. and again, yeah, if things don't feel, if they're feeling a bit stagnant mm. or you're not quite sure, then doing something like this can just be that spark of inspiration mm. to get you going in the right direction. And, and this event actually uh, was the spark that kicked on to the, to the later mm. two studies, which really began to pull things together. Reminds me of the last two episodes that we did um, with Sebastian Kambach, where we talked about uh, the PhD is all about um, dealing with uncertainty, right? And in the end, something good can really come of that, of just, yeah, putting yourself into new situations, trying new things. Um, and I think it's pretty much encouraged now as well to try more creative um, research methods in the PhD, because that's the time where you, where, you, oh, that's, yeah, where you have time to experiment with new methods. Okay, then let's hear more about year three. All right, so there you were, year three, and I think you had a little bit of a tough start as well to the third year. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, I had uh, two, as I said at the start of the show, I had two academic supervisors and one industrial, which, by the way, to this point, you know, the industrial supervisor has been relatively uh quiet in in terms of like collaborating with me uh but yeah it was a tough start in in that my main academic supervisor you know the person i really was doing this phd with you know and it was really her idea left the university for another um and it was really difficult because we'd worked so well together but luckily you know i had my second supervisor who could who could step in so it wasn't really a kind of desperate moment but it was you know concerning and mm. you know it was clear that you know now that I'm into the final two years that I had to run an actual user trial you know I'd done some you know relative creative stuff at this point but I needed something a bit more concrete so I, I thought okay why not do an eye tracking study and and this time you know I think because it's a quantitative method the industrial sponsor really perked up and, and was very much interested in being involved um, after as I said not really hearing from them for for quite a long time mm. Uh, so again, huge challenges with setting this study up. I was the first person to really be using uh, this type of eye tracking. Um, again, with the with the equipment, with the simulator, uh, there were many, many times that I thought, you know, why am why on earth am I am I doing this? You know, and how mm. is it all going to come together? I had no clue. Um, you know, the classic adage, you know, uh, new equipment, new problems, right? Um, but there was a crucial difference here, and I think this is the thing I want to emphasize to the listeners is that I learned how to ask for help 
And so I would, I just began to just essentially, I was lucky that my supervisor sat on the same floor. Um, and of course, this was, you know, pre-COVID time when we were all in an office. So you know, I guess there's a, an advantage to office working in this sense. Mm. Um, but I'm sure you could replicate the same thing uh, online. But, um, you know, I would essentially just go around to my supervisor's desk, you know, unscheduled uh, with just any question that had me stumped. And before in year one and two, where I would kind of think, no, I can't go to him because, you know, that would show that I, I don't know these basic things. I can't do that. Um, no, I just I just didn't care. I mm, just thought, mm. OK, no, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to just ask. I'm going to get it done. And in a deeper sense, it was really letting go of that worry of kind of, you know, asking for help would would reveal that I'm not smart enough. You know, it was just mm. letting that go. And things began to happen so much faster you know, there was so much more progress and this study that was a huge challenge actually became possible. And despite the bugs and, and because of the experimental design, each participant came in for five consecutive days. So I was doing long trials um, and the analysis, oh my goodness, was so <laughs> difficult because it was this eye tracking data, which I hadn't analyzed before. And, and there was no one who could really help with that in terms of that specific mm. analysis. Uh, but, you know, still going to ask for help and all that really helped that process. Mm. But unfortunately, despite this incredible you know effort to get this study together after all of that analyzing the data the results just made no sense <laughs> at all right it, there was no clear story it was really difficult to interpret what everything meant i had no clue what the different kind of fix it, it i mm. understood the data in terms mm. of what i got out of it uh, but I could not explain why people were doing what they were doing. And there was absolutely no kind of overall coherent theme coming out of it. Mm. And it was so stressful. Um, and I spent weeks trying to find an explanation for the results. Um, and, you know, I think and this is probably one of the trickier moments was that in the meantime, you know, my, you know, my colleague who was probably my most uh, directly comparable you know we had the same supervisor we started at the same time etc we're in the same field um he you know he, my colleague got an incredibly clear result from from his study and it was a massive impact result like we're talking like really like right, monumental result mm. um and there was so much hype like the sponsor we had the same mm. industrial sponsor wanted to see the work there was so much hype about that from the bosses from the academics um while you know in all honesty my work was largely ignored you know mm. i still presented it at these events um but you know we had some situations where we would present at the same event um, and my colleague would get loads of questions at the end and i would not get a single question mm. and that was that was it was Difficult. really really That's tough time difficult. Um, and I also heard back from my first journal, which was rejected. Um, but some positives, you know, I think one thing in the in the kind of academic world is that I, I did manage to present at a conference. Mm. And this was a really important thing because that also, it just gave my work a different kind of context. And I could take it somewhere. And, and it, the, it gave me this feeling that the work brought a really positive almost mm. holiday out of it right <laughs> a, a kind of a travel and, and seeing mm. something new so that was really good so mm. let's talk about some key takeaways here because this was a this was a tough year so i mean i think you know the, the main thing to remember is that despite success and you know we the success in that i pulled off this study but the results were not clear right mm. but it's still 
you know, in looking back, it was a very difficult study to run. It was a very complex study. So actually there were a lot of positives there, which I didn't really recognize at the time. Um, we can still feel inadequate despite these successes. And, you know, looking back, I, I realized you know, how much stress can come from from not taking that time to really appreciate the, the stuff you've done. And so we've talked about a lot of techniques, you know, mm -hmm. that you can use, um, like, you know, three listing three positive things, you know, taking that moment to reflect on the small gains in your PhD, all those kinds of things to help you recognize the progress mm -hmm. you're making. Um, but I think the big thing is, you know, comparing yourself to others is a bad path to go down. And I realized this too late. Um, and, and certainly at this point in the story, I, I had not realized that. And in fact, it's only much later, probably only in the last year or so, that I've really learned to try to, to, to let that go. But that's something that's very ingrained in me in that mm. if I see someone else very, you know, of a comparable kind of background doing really well, then and I'm not at that level or what I perceive to be that level, uh, then it's very difficult. Mm. Um, and that was that was a really tough, tough thing to learn. Do you, what do yeah. you think kept did keep you going? Because um, did you feel okay? Now I'm too far into <laughs> into I the PhD. Now I just yeah. gonna just keep it, going. It, and I think it was finished. It was essentially that because you know there was a year and a bit to go at that point, mm. and I honestly thought just look, it's it's just a year and a bit. Mm. I know I can just get to the end. Um, and did your supervisors like encouraging that that then you keep going like you will you will um it will make sense and we'll come together or did you feel a sense from yeah that? i mean i never explicitly told them about my concerns with in terms of comparing myself to the other yeah, student yeah. so i never actually expressed that but what about your results that didn't make sense yeah to you i mean they time? they were they were happy with because i think they recognized it was a difficult study mm -hmm. i think they recognized the value in terms of the methodology and, mm. and as we, you know as i tried to highlight you know in this section you know like it was there's a lot of in, in, in all the work that you do there's a, a lot of positives and sometimes mm. it can be very difficult to see that if all we're doing is, is focusing on a particular thing that we didn't achieve so mm. yeah i think they did recognize it but again you know i don't think i was really internalizing sort of what they were what they were telling me so um and a final takeaway is is really to ask for help you know things work so much better when you just let go of that kind of uh, hesitancy and you just ask for help that was three quarters of your phd journey but now yes. we're gonna hear how it we're all came together because obviously you made it through <laughs> in the end um and yeah so let's hear everything about your fourth year So year four, the finishing line <laughs> inside. How how was year four then? How yeah. did it continue? Yeah, the final year, right? I mean, this is this is the year it all sort of came together, and um, yeah, actually, it begin it began with sort of getting this eye tracking paper, this this study written up as a paper. I had actually managed to get some kind of kind of understanding mm -hmm. of it. I wasn't super convinced by my explanation. But it was the first time someone was doing something like this. So, mm. you know, I kind of got that out. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was pretty content at that point that that would be all the studies of the PhD. Right. I had interview study, a sort of public engagement. And I've got this eye tracking. Mm. Um, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll do one more interview study to wrap things up. But then uh, kind of with about six months to go, my industrial sponsor said, um, no, 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 we, we want you to do that same eye tracking study again, but bigger. And I was like, I was floored, <laughs> right? I, I, we had, there was like half a year to go to submission mm. 
And this was a, for me, it was a hard deadline. So it was not a case that I would because be... Because the funding would run out. Oh, no, did you actually no, no. You it was even a hard have deadline. to... Okay, so if I submit. submitted it a day later, I would have failed. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it mm. was not that I would just run out of funding. Mm. And that was because of this industrial sponsor and, and the way the, the, the degree was set up. So I was floored. And again, this was a really low point because I honestly thought I was going to fail because I wouldn't be able to do this in time. And, mm. and the key thing was that we needed... The industrial sponsor to be happy with the work because right. of this um, because it's an industrially sponsored PhD um, which by the way we should say it's, it's called an NGD engineering doctor if anyone's listening and, and curious to, to look up exactly what the what the degree was so I thought I was going to fail uh, but you know taking everything that I learned from about asking for help you know I just I just cracked on and I got new equipment um, you know, I requested new stuff that was more reliable. I got help from my colleagues. And somehow, despite, again, the many challenges to overcome with running a study like that, uh, I, I, it did come together. And, and I think this was a really seminal moment was this is the point I just learned to just give up caring about what other people were doing. And, and I, I yet yeah, to really emphasize just what a moment that was. And I, I, I can remember the point I was sat kind of on a sofa. Uh, we had these kind of lounge areas in the office mm. and I was sat there. I think I might have had a phone call with mm. you. I, and, 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 and then afterwards, I remember this so clearly that I, I thought, no, okay, just screw it. I'm going to just on focus now. on myself. Mm. I don't have the energy to think about what other people are doing. Um and it was it was a tough time because again you know my colleague was still getting a lot of hype for for the work that that he'd done um there was talk about like sending the work into nature and stuff like that and like you know mine was not even i hadn't even got a journal publication at that point uh, but i just kept focus i just kept a laser focus on what i was doing and focused on why what i was doing was good and i just mm. really internalized that and amazingly because of that the write-up phase and this sounds crazy. It was the most enjoyable phase to me. Mm. I, I loved those last six months bringing it all together. Um, and chapters began to make sense. Studies began to link. And by the end, when I was ready to submit, I was, yeah, I was actually really sad that it had, that, that it had come to an end. Mm. And I think that's so significant because for the most of the PhD, I, I didn't really enjoy. I was mm. I was always so worried and stressed about my progress and yet the moment you let that go that kind mm. of comparing yourself in just six months I had such a positive affinity with my mm. doctorate that that I was sad for it to come to an end that submission day I was genuinely sad I remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was it was shocking yeah. you know and some a day I thought I would be totally of course I was happy and, mm. and proud but yeah, a day I thought I would just be so relieved to get to. Mm. Um, I was actually genuinely sad and quite melancholic about it. Mm. So I think, you know, the, what's the key takeaway is that really like, you know, the moment you can let go of those kinds of uh, feelings of comparing yourself, of imposter syndrome, was really the moment I loved the doctorate. Um, and it was such a monumental mind shift change. And it's difficult to get to that point. Um, but I think talking to your colleagues, I think recognizing the good stuff that you're doing is one way to begin to, to get towards that. Um, to be honest, still at submission, I was still convinced that I hadn't done anything really worthy. Um, but me, I, for me personally, I, I loved the stuff I'd done. I was proud mm. of my thesis in the end. Um, mm. 
and in the end it was reflected in the viber that that it you know, the examiners also re- realized that and i think honestly those examiners i i think were the first people apart from my supervisors to to really say to me this that this is good, is good work and that, yeah. was, that was quite an emotional moment really because that was the first time i'd heard that um and i think you know in the end look letting go of those preconceptions and comparisons was the single most important thing that i took away from the doctorate you know it's it's so important and even to this day i still work on that um and it's, it's something that you know is again as i said ingrained in kind of mm. who i am but you know it's the biggest takeaway from from such an up and down mm. ride um and that was that's really the the story of the four years <laughs> a lot of resilience that you had to develop over those years probably um yeah and you so you think like it was definitely what made it worthwhile in the end that you get this almost closure with like the nice writer period and the viva where actually work was appreciated after such a long time that's right, right yeah and i think yeah the viva was a, a nice kind of mm. uh, kind of a way to to close that off um mm. yeah after four years of not thinking that mm. the work was valuable to then hear it from from a totally neutral person mm. that it was valuable um mm. and you know when i think about it you know i think pe- maybe perhaps people were thinking that but mm. i think in the in the context of where i was you know mm. with the with the like the amazing work that was being done by sort of others in the degree um mm. it was it was definitely being sort of overshadowed and you know it was it was difficult to see that and so mm. again perhaps that's another thing to take away is that you know if you're feeling like your work is is not kind of um getting that space to mm. kind of shine then take it to conferences take it to other events take it to like these researcher networks um places where you know mm. people who are neutral can have a look at it because you know the, those examiners they truly were neutral they have no incentive to see me pass you know mm. they, they are there to try and yeah. find the flaws yeah. and yet they thought it was good and yeah that was really uh, i think from that point on i had a lot of sort of confidence mm. and and it was a it was quite an important moment but um but yeah that's, yeah uh, i think a friend yeah. of mine had a similar story to yours one where the supervisor went saying you don't get the degree for the perfect results in the end right um but you get it for keep just keeping going and yeah not not giving up And yeah, in the end, trusting that will find a place and in the end, all your studies got published as well. Um, but sometimes it just takes a while, right? Like a journal paper can disappear at a yeah. journal like for yeah. a year and you don't hear back and then it's rejected and it takes another year until it finds place. But it will find its place in the end and you just have to trust that. Anything else you want to say about your... No, I, th- I think this, this episode is a, is a little bit little different to our reflection, usual format. Yeah, yeah how but, do you feel um, after such a long time talking about it? No, I think no, I think it's uh, it, yeah, an interesting. Really and I hope the listeners can can take yeah. away a lot from uh, from this experience. And just to you know, I think the really thing we wanted the the thing we wanted to really emphasize is that this journey is difficult. It has a lot of ups and downs. And just because you have you might be facing a lot of downs right now does not mean that you're not doing a great job and you know me as a person who did not believe in my work for four years um ended up still getting it in the end so you know in the end all that matters is you and and kind of what you think of your work and as long as you hold on to that then i think everything's going to be fine 
Well, thank you so much for listening to How to PhD. I hope you enjoyed this um, this deep dive into to my PhD. Um, if you know someone who you think could benefit from listening to my story, um, <laughs> then please do share this with them. Or share course, your stories. Or, and, and, yeah, please feel free to contact us and, and, and share your stories as well. Um, if you enjoy listening to How to PhD, then we're always hugely appreciative of the support. And if you'd like to support us, then you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible or by visiting our website at howtophd.show and leaving a small donation through Buy Me A Coffee. As ever, thank you so much to all of our donors uh, who support us on uh, over there. It always surprises us when people donate and it's so wonderful and uh, really great to hear some of the stories that from people who, who have been helped by the podcast. Do get in touch. Um, contact at howtophd.show is the general show email, Twitter and Instagram at howtophdshow. And if you're interested in signing up to a one-to-one session with a free half an hour trial, then you can contact us at one-to-one at howtophd.show and we can get you booked in for a half an hour session to talk about anything you want. Um, Julia, next week. Yeah, next year. You're you... up. <laughs> yes. Next week, I'm going to share my PhD story. Um, I did my PhD in three years, so we're going <laughs> to split it in three sections, I so guess. Be a little, <laughs> a little, little bit shorter. <laughs> a little bit shorter, maybe. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. I yeah. hope you enjoy that. No, I think <laughs> it'll be a good one. So, and a very different um, different PhD experience, but with not without its challenges, but a different experience. So, be a really good listen. So, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Bye.